0: You're listening to the Upper Room Podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit UpperRoomFrisco.com. You know, when Jonathan was talking about, we were actually having breakfast this morning, and he was talking about how the presence of the Lord touched him when he was 16. And, um, you know, depending on where you come from, that word can sound confusing. Any Anybody, like, raised in church, and you're like, what? What are we talking about? The presence. Does anyone ever feel that way? It sounds ethereal. Good. No, for real. Does anyone ever feel that way? No, just me. Okay. Well, thank you, Muhammad. So the thing is that it's not just ethereal. Like when he says the presence touched him, it was the presence of a, of a person and it wasn't just the presence of a person it was the presence of a person who who chose to define himself as love he said i am love so when jonathan when the presence of the lord touched him when he was 16 and it changed him for the rest of his life it was love it was tangible love that touched him it was love I feel like what I want to do for us tonight, I just want to remind you of things you already know. Is that okay? I just want to tell you things that you already know cuz it's going to be good for me to hear it and it's going to be good for us to remember. Because I feel like in this in the climate that we're in, we may have lost track of the whole point. And it's really easy right now to lose the whole point. For God so loved the world that he came and touched Jonathan when he was 16. For God so loved the world that he bound up my broken heart. You know, Jesus said when he's he's about to leave his disciples, but he says to them in John. 14, he says, this is how other people are going to know that you belong to me. How? By the way that you love each other. And I, 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 I don't know about you guys, but like when I've been online lately, I'm like, I'm thinking if I were not a believer and I watched the dialogue between these believers, I wouldn't know that they were believers by their love. That wouldn't be what I walked away with. And I've been thinking about how Jesus was a man. It says he was full of grace and truth. He wasn't like 50% grace and 50% truth or sometimes full of grace. And then when you needed it, full of truth, He's all in himself, full of grace and full of truth. All 100% and 100%. And I feel like we're trying to navigate the world that we're in. And we're trying to figure out what's the right theology, what's the right political party what's the right stance what's the right and so we're we're trying to figure it out and we're trying to figure it out without having Jesus right here the man full of grace and full of truth because at any given moment like if you're if you're me I don't know much about the Enneagram but I'm Enneagram one so I'm always going to lean on truth and then if you're more like I don't know, whomever, you may be like grace. And so any of our natural inclinations will be inclined to fall in one camp or the other, except Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. And if you ever met him or looked into his eyes, you would be aware of one thing. He loves you. He loves you. Why did the woman at the well, he... He he uncovered everything about her. She should have felt shame. He like, he undressed her with his words. Yeah. You've been married of five, you you've had five men. And the one you're living with right now is not your husband. And she goes into town and tells everybody, this man knows everything that I've ever done. And they're like, woo, we do too. <laughs> right? But she didn't feel shame. Why did she not feel shame? Because she encountered love himself. And I just want us to get to the place where we are the walking embodiment of love himself. And I feel like sometimes what I'm seeing when I, like, I'm looking out at, at like, christians right now we've got some like throwing fiery darts this way and some like throwing rocks at the other church camp that way or at our government or at our whoever and then we've got some just down here hiding (laughs) i just don't want to get hit in the crossfire and then there's some and this is where i want to call you tonight that have just come up higher they're probably a little more quiet. They may have a little less to say because they're just waiting for a moment to just love you. They're tuned in to heaven. They're tuned in to his voice so that randomly, while so and so is throwing a rock and so and so is throwing a dart, they're like, hey, does your ankle hurt? Because God wants to heal it. Right? Because there's something more important going on. Do you know what I mean? I'm saying that one day when I stand before him, he's not going to say, Larissa, were you a good American? I love you enough to say stuff like this. He's not going to say that. And what I don't want you to miss, I don't want the devil to pull the wool over your eyes and for you to miss the point of the season that you're in. And the point is love. The point is love. They will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Javanna is here. She's one of my best friends. She's our women's pastor in Dallas. She came here tonight. Well, I don't know why all you came, but I know one of the main reasons she came was to pray for me. And I was so touched by her love. I was just weeping and worshiped just by that love. Because I know she's got little kids at home. She's got some other things to do. But that love touched me. And the world is dying for this love. And the only way we can give that love is by knowing him who is love. Like over and over and over, all day, every day, over and over and over again. I just want you to know there's a more important conversation than the one you might be tuning into constantly. There's a better conversation. There is. There's a more important conversation happening. And I don't want you to miss the point of this season. What did you do in 2020? Well, I just cast a bunch of stones. I hurt a bunch of other Christians. I just want to call us up, just up, 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 where the air's a little clearer, where you can hear. And where you can look down, you can pray, where you realize your opinion is only as good as the limited information that you have. I want to read, we are going to get biblical. So I want to take you to uh, Revelation chapter 2. Are you guys tracking with me? Revelation chapter 2. So when John has this encounter with Jesus, he has him write a message to seven different churches. Seven, not five. Seven different churches. And so the first one is the church in Ephesus. Now, the church in Ephesus, we see that it was planted. We can read about it in Acts chapter 19. And the letter to the Ephesians was written in like the 60s. And then this letter was written about 30 years later. So that information is going to be helpful in just a minute. But let's just read these first seven verses. This is the letter. And so if you don't know much about the letters, each letter has, it has this format where it describes Jesus, the one with the message, then he says some things that he knows about that church community, and then he might give like a rebuke, and then he might give some more encouragement, and then he might give um, a reward for listening to him, essentially. Okay, so here we go. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So the words of him who holds the seven stars, that's Jesus. He's holding seven stars, which are the messengers. And then he walks among the seven golden lampstands, which are these seven churches. The lampstands represent the churches. So here's what... Jesus, this is Jesus' message to the church in Ephesus. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know, Ugh, that phrase just, I can't hardly say it without crying. Do you know that he's looking at you saying, I know, I know. I know, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary, verse four. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Okay, we're just going to break this down for a minute, and then I'm going to encourage you. Um, He says, I know, here's the things that he acknowledges about them. Ready? He knows your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how they haven't, they haven't bared, bared, born, haven't, I don't know the past tense of that. They haven't born? Bore. (laughs) Okay. They haven't bore with those who are evil. Um, They tested them. They found them to be false. They endure patiently. They're bearing up for his name's sake. They haven't grown weary. So, and then he says, you know, you've abandoned your first love. And then he also says, you also haven't, um, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which was sort of a weird sect that was promoting sexual immorality, food sacrifice to idols. It's not super clear what the Nicolaitans were doing, but it was a false doctrine. So here Jesus is saying like, hey, I see you. And I just, I, I want you to hear something from him. I feel like there's a message in here for us. I feel like he's saying, listen, I see you. I see that you're protecting what you know to be true and right. I see that it matters to you. Listen, I, I, I was, and, and that matters to him. Okay, so just because we're going we're gonna to talk about, like, our first love, we're going to talk about loving the Lord and loving each other, but just because we don't want to abandon love doesn't mean we throw out the fact that it's very important to protect what we know to be true and right, that, like, true doctrine is important. So just because we're going to, oh, return to love doesn't mean we're going to throw out protecting what's right and true. Right? Remember I said he's full of grace and truth. Listen, somebody showed me, I'm not super familiar with TikTok, but we have some some friends here who ministered to Gen Z and they were showing me on TikTok the massive movement directed toward like 8 to 18 year olds, I think is like the main viewing group, don't quote me on that. But that is people like me in quote-unquote ministry, even there's some wearing the collar, there's some just in ministry garb, and they are adamantly teaching children that homosexuality should be embraced in the church, that Jesus condones homosexuality. They're opening up scripture, and they're, They're walking through scripture and teaching that Jesus promotes, accepts that, that he celebrates it. And there's, listen, there's hundreds of millions of views on these. There's like, there's a movement. There is an agenda. And it's like, it's, it, it's mind blowing to see. And so, for you and I as Bible-believing disciples of Jesus to stay committed to the things that we know are true is super important to the Lord. And so I, 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 don't, I want you to hear me say that I feel like he's saying to us as a church body, Hey, I know that you're fighting to protect what's true. I know that you're on guard that you are not letting things enter in that are false. And I and I I'm I'm saying thank you for that. I'm saying job well done. That you're not letting that doctrine into your churches. And I felt like I actually brought a prop. You know, when you have a last minute prop idea when you're getting out of your car that's full of uh, kids stuff. I brought my numchucks. <sighs> I felt like he said, "Listen, I know that you're fighting. I know that you're protecting. I know that you're patiently enduring. I know that you're like you're you're protecting, and I don't want you to stop doing that. It's important to me. You know, he, Jesus said that if you cause a little one to stumble." It's like, I will put a millstone around your neck and throw you into the bottom of the sea. I was in Israel and I saw a millstone. It's like a, it's like a huge stone. And he must have been standing near one when he said it. Like, it's no joke to cause a little one to stumble. So, Hear me say that truth and right doctrine, right understanding, and us protecting it, us being vigilant to not allow that in our homes, in our churches, is really important to the Lord. But here's what I see he's saying, hey, watch out. Because sometimes when you're in a culture where the world is coming at you with so much and you're so busy protecting and fighting and guarding what's right and true, you might lose sight of what matters. You might lose sight of your first love. This is what you're in danger of doing. You know, when we we had four kids in... 6 years or something like that. And so if you know, if you if you've had a lot of children in a row, sometimes you could get so busy just doing the things, protecting, wiping butts and f- feeding and that you can lose your connection with your spouse. Because you're just doing all the things and no one would say, "Stop taking care of your children." Stop cleaning your house stop feeding them nobody would say that that's a good thing yes but you could lose sight of the very thing that birthed those children happens all the time and so how can we not lose sight of our first love What's interesting is that I always thought that this letter was written about your first love to the Lord, which I think is valid, but I've actually learned through, I've read a lot of studies on it, and most commentators think that he's actually referring to the love between believers, that that was their first love that they neglected because they're so busy Protecting their flock and fighting this, you know, discerning this false apostle or the teaching of the Nicolaitans. He says, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so they think he's like juxtaposing this idea of hating this doctrine, but not neglecting the love that you have for people. How can you hate a doctrine and still love the person? Right? Because look in, look in uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. If you want to turn there, you can. But this is what they were known for. They were known for loving each other. He says in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, he says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. They were known for the way that they loved the saints. And yet, so this is written in about 60 something AD, and then you've got 30 years later, they've been so busy protecting and fighting and guarding what was true that they lost something special. The very thing that made them special, they lost. And I'm not, you know, this isn't like a prophetic message for a broom Frisco, you've lost your first love. But what I'm saying is for the church at large, I feel this, the Lord saying, hey, don't lose sight of the whole point. Like, check yourself. Is this birthed in love? Are you like, is what you're about to spout off in love? Is it coming from love? I think so many things would we would just, psh, psh, we just wouldn't have anything to say. Can I give you permission tonight? It's okay to not have something to say. It is okay. Jesus, you know what? Jesus is standing there before Pilate and he's just like asking him, accusing him, and he just, he just, It's okay to have nothing to say. It's okay to hit the eject button from a conversation and say, you know what? Like, I don't know where the Lord is in here. I cannot, his, I don't, I'm not sensing love leading me to do anything right here. So I'm like, I'm pulling the ripcord. Like y'all enjoy. Bye. (laughs) Can I give you permission for that? You did not have to take the bait. There is bait everywhere right now. There is bait everywhere and you don't have to take it. You, you, like, you don't owe anyone a response. You have one debt and the debt is to love. You have one debt and the debt is to love. And you know what? I have good news. You actually can do that. Like you are capable of being a conduit of the Lord's love at any time. Like at any moment, you can stop. I have to do it all the time. I learned this from my dear friend, Kimberly Stokes. She said, when your kids are freaking you out, she said, you stop, you close your eyes, and you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. And you count to 10 in your head. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've not sinned in my anger or my frustration because I've allowed love in a moment to fill me. And so you have permission to not enter a conversation. You have permission to not take the bait. You have permission to walk higher, quieter, in love. It will set you free. I just want him, I want to know that he's like, yeah, that's what I would be doing right now. That's what I would do right now. Want to know what I'm up to right now? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to know that you were doing what Jesus is doing? Wouldn't that be like the most rewarding thing ever? You know, I know that we can't, we were talking about the presence, I know we can't, we literally can't, love without him I mean he's gotta be that presence has to be the fountain it, and, it, and, it, and it's him it's, it's love himself when I think about my first love I fell in love when I was 14 and I was obsessed with that boy did you know that I didn't know any better like you get older and you learn about boundaries But when you're 14, you don't know about boundaries. And so you're just all in. It's like, how many times a day can I call you? No one told me like, hey, that could get annoying. It's like, I'm in love. It's all I can think about. It's like I eat, sleep. I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm not worried. I'm not even afraid it's going to end one day. I'm just obsessed. I'm just in love. Do you know the beautiful thing about Jesus? You can be codependent with Jesus. Did you know you don't have to have boundaries with him? Like you can be ridiculously obsessed with him. You can, he's never annoyed. He's like, give me more, give me more, give me more. It does. He is not like people. He doesn't ever need space. He's never like, no, you should play hard to get. He, he, you can, you can totally be ridiculously enmeshed with him. And the more you are, the, he just is giddy about it. Isn't that amazing? In fact, that's what you were made for. That's why we go searching for it in all the people, and then we just get messier and messier because we're looking for something that they just can't give. Hello, single people. This is a good message. (laughs) They're just people. (laughs) They just can't give you what you're looking for. It's a good married people message too. But hey, let's just, can we just activate this? I just want us to, I want us to let him bring us back to our first love. I want us to remember just the purity and simplicity of devotion to Jesus. Above everything else. Above everything else. It's just an invitation to come up higher. Just come up above the noise, above the conversations that, you know what? In eternity, they don't matter. They don't matter. In eternity, they don't matter. It doesn't matter. And I get there's things that matter now. I get that. I get that. Like, it matters to me tonight. I don't, I don't want a Big Mac for dinner, you know? I want Chipotle. But, it, like, there's, you know, my kids need to be tucked in in bed at a reasonable hour. I, there's things that matter. It matters. But in eternity, I just want you to frame your life again. I want you to come back to, like, you know what matters? Knowing God, loving God, and loving God people it's so simple and it's freeing it's so freeing do you want upper room stance on what's happening outside those doors is that Jesus is Lord it's that Jesus is Lord and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and I could just I can just come up higher than all of that. Can you do that with me? Can we do that? Can we be known for our love? Can you be known? Can you be the person on the Zoom call? Imagine how many of you have to do Zoom calls right now. Imagine the screen, you know, and it's full of the faces. Imagine there's someone on the top left part of the screen. And unbeknownst to you, they're suicidal. And imagine someone in the middle of the screen and they're just like, they're angry. And then imagine you, here you are on this screen and you could be caught up in this lower level conversation. Or you could remember, I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places, Jesus. And then the next thing you know, he's like, hey, you see that person in the top left corner? They really need me. And you, in that moment, because you didn't take the bait of this conversation here, but you were aware of this one here, you get to be a conduit of love. And you get to speak a word. You get to do a thing. You get to partner with him in expressing his love to one of his beloved. That matters. That matters. So I don't know what you're doing every day in and out. I don't know if you're wiping a butt. I don't know if you're, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you work in the medical field or if you're a teacher or if you're in business or you're, I don't know what you're doing, but I just want you to know that you can make it matter. You can make it matter. It reminds me of who, who, I heard someone say this last week, you know, there's Brother Lawrence who, what was the book he wrote about the presence yeah yeah he was talking about how you can you can love God when you're washing dishes. You can make it matter whatever you're doing. And I just want to encourage you that you never know when you're 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 having this conversation that you never know when an eternal moment steps in. A, an eternal moment. You stop someone and, and you, you have a little word for them. Or maybe all you do is like hug them. Maybe all you do is slip them 20 bucks, but you have no idea the eternal fruit of what you just did.